All right, good morning, everybody. Mike Courtney here, Mass Mutual, Eastern Pennsylvania, on a beautiful Wednesday morning, beginning of June, and uh, feels like summer is here. We kind of skipped right past spring, which uh, yeah, seems to be the norm these last couple of years. I'm joined by good friend and counterpart Steve Parisi, president and CEO and founder of IBC Global. Steve, how are you today? Fantastic, Mike. It is definitely summertime, hot and humid out there this morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, are the, does that mean those runs get a little bit shorter or they just get a little bit harder? Harder. I won't cut it short. I've actually upped the mileage lately. Got my uh, got a new pull-up bar, so I started that again. So I'm like getting back and trying to get back in shape. Nice. Um, but yeah, I was suffering this morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Steve and I were having a conversation before we... Um, before we started this pod, just about, you know, kind of general market conditions. Um, I always feel like I'm a, I'm a pretty good barometer for these type of conversations because, you know, I, I work for Mass Mutual, I'm long time in the insurance business, long time working with and alongside financial advisors. But when it comes to the markets and equities and projections and forecasts, uh, you know, I, I really, I'm an average consumer, yeah. you know, I have a little bit of knowledge just from, you know, the type of work that, that I've done over the years, but I am by no means an expert in investing. And, you know, I rely on advice from others, just like everybody else does. Um, so with all the uncertainty out there today, I think, you know, a lot of times people are scared. People don't really know what to do. People are, um, you know, they certainly don't want to be too aggressive right now, but they also don't want to miss out. It always feels like there's a lot of, you know, kind of sexy opportunity out there. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we talk about all the time that we see all the time, uh, especially in these kind of uncertain, turbulent times, is people that are that are hoarding cash or people that are sitting on um, really low yield um, cash equivalent assets. Um, and that's where cash value life insurance can really be a great alternative. What, you know, like what kind of conversations do you see um, with your high net worth folks that you're talking to? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and this is, I'd say it's consistent for those who are high net worth and those who are, don't have a, a very high net worth. Is anytime there's a market crash or just say a short period, a day or a couple of days of a down market, I have noticed over the years, there's a lot of attraction to cash value life insurance, just being that it's a, a safe, liquid, and tax-free area to position money. If you do things right, those core benefits we always talk about. But the reason why is really you've got that safe asset. If things, if things crash, right, the fear is I can lose what I have if I've got funds in the market. I've gained money there. I don't want to lose what I've, <laughs> what I've waited so long to actually see a gain. So... In the event of a down market there, down market, when I actually take those funds out of money I have in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, wherever, where do I put it? And I can put it in a low yield savings account, like you mentioned, a money market. Or if I discover cash value life insurance and how to properly design it so I actually see my cash value right out of the gates and it's cash rich, that's where people look at it and it creates that aha moment. Wait a minute, I can put money in this asset, okay, it's life insurance, that's great. But the cash value piece that continues to appreciate, I've got guarantees, okay, and I can access the money as well if I want to take advantage of 
opportunities that I have, I need cash, whatever it might be? The answer is yes. So really just being that it's a safe area to position money with certainty and guarantees that it goes nowhere but up, that's what attracts people. And it does three to 5% if you set it up properly, just for transparency. Like that's what it will do if it if 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 it's set up properly. If not, it does worse. <laughs> it's interesting. Just recently, um, you know, on on our side of the business, we've seen a real uptick in the fixed annuity interest rates. So, um, you know, in, in a in a in a world where you know you still can't get a good concert strong rate on um, like a CD or a money market, you can park your conservative money with like a three to a five year fixed annuity. And let's say you're getting somewhere, you know, 3% or three and a quarter. A lot of people are finding that really attractive. I think people who traditionally are more stock market driven and equities driven will look at that as an alternative for their cash and for their safe money. Um, I think they're missing out on some of these solutions that, you know, maybe aren't going to give you a 3% rate of return on your money in the first three years, but over the long haul are going to give you a, you know, four to 5% rate of return, you know, over a, a 20, 25 year period, maybe something like that. With access to it. Yeah. And right. Right. Totally different access. Totally different, obviously, death benefit um, for heirs, a lot of other um, benefits that come along with the with the policy. Yeah. It, what a lot of people, uh, advisors and clients have done with cash value life insurance and other assets, I've seen this strategy um, discussed and used beautifully. And when we do it, I'm only helping with one piece, the life insurance piece, because that's all our company does. But in the event of a down market, so I, let, let me actually just begin this, where you've got, if you've got money in the stock market, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, re- retirement assets, qualified accounts, and you're in retirement, that's tip or close to retirement. This is typically where people have the biggest fear because I'm not working anymore. And whatever my assets are, that's what I'm living on now. So I can't really afford to lose money. Like that's the fear. So if I've got money in retirement funds, and when I say retirement funds, this could be qualified and non-qualified assets. When the market's up, when things are going well, I can take income and typically conserve the principal, or I don't really impact that principal much. I can impact, I can live off the interest or take a little bit of principal, and I'm good. I don't have that fear. I've got more peace of mind that I'm not going to outlive my money. I don't have the fear of running out. When the market's down, that's where people can get hurt, right? I can't take the same amount of income because now I just took a 30% hit and if I want to take income, that's where it really hurts. Right. So a strategy that a lot of people use effectively is really using life insurance, the cash value aspect as a hedge. They're hedging against the down market. What they're doing is when the market's up, they're taking income from their other assets, their retirement accounts, when the market's down, they will stop taking income from those other investments, money in the stock market. They'll let the market do its thing and allow their, their investments to recover. And what they're doing now is going to their fixed asset, the cash value life insurance product, to take income. 
because they've got certainty there that'll just continue to go up no matter what happens that it's not impacted by the down market right almost like a fixed bond alternative or bond alternative so it's a nice strategy there that i've seen executed over the years in 2008 right people did that i remember seeing a presentation with an advisor where he went through here's exactly what we did for our client and they've got peace of mind more than anything else the client that is because they can dip into this fixed asset and then when things rebound they can go back to the market or their funds in the market take income against or from those investments and then when it's all said and done they still have a life insurance death benefit when they die is paid income tax free yeah mass mutual's got a great um we talk about that all the time we that concept is labeled taming a bear market in retirement at mm-hmm. mass they, they've really got some great uh marketing collateral around that that shows real um time frame over a 20 year period S&P returns let's say that there was uh four years where the S&P was down mm-hmm. over that time frame and it shows you know starting IRA x amount of dollars taking out uh level taxable income from that IRA every year and here's your balance at the end and then it shows taking out income from that IRA every year except for the years following the down year in the market and in those years pulling the money elsewhere and the amount of money the di- the difference is staggering regarding um it's really significant how much money you have left in that IRA uh, utilizing that that other strategy. The other thing is you're pulling mon- you're pulling non-taxable income. Yeah, out of the life insurance policy. So if you need, you know, a net of one hundred thousand dollars coming out of your retirement account on an annual basis, well, you might have to pull one hundred and fifty out of your qualified plan or out of your IRA, depending on how it's structured. And life insurance policy, you pull the hundred thousand; it's tax free. Um, and you know, we, we know how, we know how that works. So that, that is a, that is an interesting concept. I feel like a lot, a lot of the, the real life folks that I've worked with, that ends up being more, they're in that scenario, but it wasn't the plan up front. Mm -hmm. Um, which really has driven a lot of my behavior where um, I don't have real locked in um, specific plans other than I maximize my qualified plans every year. I put money into my whole life insurance policies every year. I put money into my kids' 529 plans anymore every year. I try to, um, I carve out as much money as possible to invest in just regular brokerage accounts every year and I invest in real estate. And I feel like as that has grown, I'm hoping that I'm going to find myself in that kind of position. It's rare to see somebody, I think, as a, you know, 30, 40 year old younger person with a family who kind of creates the taming a bear mentality. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's true. Most people my age or younger, I used to always say my age, but as I get older, younger are, are not are not doing that. Even for someone my age, I mean, it's not going to be 30 years until you're in your mid-60s, 
at that point, you're you're much more aware to that. It's a nice. It's, it's a, that's a shame though, because if you could lock on younger, I mean, you know, this sounds so. You know, this is just like a typical insurance salesperson type thing to say. But you know, I, I, you know, my kids, like I have policies on my kids. If they can keep those policies and keep adding to them, I mean, they're just going to be so much further ahead than I was, even when they're you know thirty years old. You know, I mean, they're really, you really have an opportunity when you're young to get started very small. Um, it is really hard to do. I mean, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't do it that way either. But yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. important to keep talking to people about. It is. I mean, that just comes down to discipline saving as well, savings as well, whether things are going well or not, or not so well. The person who keeps saving typically does very, very well. Even if it's small, keep Correct. it going. Right. Correct. Right. It, and it's great habits as well. Um, but yeah, that taming the bear market, I mean, that's a nice concept that does work well, right? When people are aware of it and they actually see it. Oh, I didn't know you could leverage life insurance in that manner. Yeah. Um, and then the other piece is kind of what you mentioned in the beginning, the attraction to cash value life insurance, and just more so the awareness right now, because everyone panics when there's any type of down market talks of inflation. Inflation's real. I mean, you can just drive somewhere and see the gas prices. Oh, yeah. yeah. I went to the grocery store the other day and was blown away by, you know, what I got. You know, I did like a regular run for our family that, yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe normally would have been $200 and um, it was like 290 bucks. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's real. I mean, it's yeah. growing up. Then there's talks of a recession. You, all the panic, right? You see some companies, a lot of companies, big companies trying to force people back to work. Um Tesla looking to cut people. I just saw a Google article, so who knows the validity to that. Um, but my point is, right, all of the panic in the air, that's scary, right? And that typically means, okay, if I look back at, at history, I've got a down market. It's happening right now. Everyone says it's going to continue. If it does, and companies lay off, what am I going to do? <laughs> that, that's the panic. And sometimes, right, that, that goes through my head. It goes through everyone. We're not... We're all human. We're going to panic and get emotionally involved. With all that said, though, and I like to use an illustration is when you're in the storm, you don't know what direction to go, right? Imagine if you're in the middle of a hurricane, you can't see more than five feet in front of you. It's scary. However, if you're flying over that hurricane, right, if you're in an airplane or if you're in space, you can say, go this direction, go left, go right, whatever it might be. It's going to be okay. Batten down the hatches for a little bit. And then progress forward and imagine you're, you're talking to yourself down there in a radio and just you're in a helmet saying, do this. You can navigate through. All of a sudden, it's a different story. So, again, when we're in the storm, we don't know what to do. But at the same time, if we're going to give advice to someone else, we might say, you know, based on history and just everything going on, here's what I would do. Or, or if we talk about cash value life insurance, here's what a lot of companies and individuals do with these products. You've got the safety there. During the storm, you've got access to this money. It will generate a higher internal rate of return than your bank account. What I would try not to do is panic because that doesn't do anyone any good. And we will get through it. Just keeping calm more than anything else is the most important thing. Um, but not letting that fear cloud your judgment and make decisions you normally wouldn't do, meaning do what you would advise someone else to do, and you'll be okay. Um, so I kind of got off track there, but during have you this- noticed different, like have, have your 
conversations changed a bit over the last few months? Not a whole lot. No, they haven't. Um, what I'm expecting to occur, because this has happened in the past, is during a down market, the individuals who work, we work with do one of two things. Um, one, they will take advantage of opportunities. They'll buy more stock because they view it as a discount, which is true. Or for their safe money, and often it's a combination of both, they'll move it into cash value life insurance. They'll say, okay, here's money. It's going to be sitting in cash. I don't want it to sit in cash. I want to put it somewhere safe. I want access to it in the event I see a good opportunity. Cash value life insurance, safe, liquid, tax-free. Okay, sounds great. I can access it as a personal line of credit. The core benefits we always talk about. And that's often where the point of attraction comes, comes into play. Where's a safe, tax-free area? I can position money that I don't have to sweat about or look at every day when there's a down market. Right. Yeah. So um, that's it. I've kind of noticed the same. Uh, definitely have been talking to more people um, who seem like they, they are stockpiling cash more than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the flip side, a lot of people, I feel like people also have become a little desensitized to um, the dramatic nature of, of the equities markets and the ups and downs in the economy. I mean, if you just look at um, not to minimize the effects of the pandemic, but I feel like a lot of uh, white collar America, which is a lot of folks I feel like that we deal with, um, we're, we're not all that affected by the pandemic. And, you know, the, it, it felt like there was all this disastrous, I mean, obviously health-wise and um, uh, mental type scenarios going on, um, but also like, you know, a lot, a lot of really significant economic impact. And I think there was a, a big portion of the, population that was that was relatively unfazed mm-hmm. you know yeah and also a ton of money was just being dumped into the economy i mean they're flooding everyone with money so from a monetary standpoint yeah. right we saw more money than we we ever have and that stopped to a degree right the helicopter that was just pouring money down right that slowed down however when we look at everything right now now the sense of panic comes in because you've got prices going up. The money train is not what it used to be, or the money helicopter. Got all this panic with the market, economy, oil prices are going up. When you look at history, when oil prices have remained high um, for a period of time, typically you see a recession that follows afterwards. Um, And recessions are are scary, but they're they're not, not always a bad thing. I mean, a lot of companies have really made their biggest moves and became powerhouses during a recession because competition pulls out everybody goes on defense and if they've got the means to expand into the marketplace whether that's with more effort whether they've got finances to do so they can really gobble up a lot of market share so strategically speaking a recession is not always a bad thing in that respect a lot of a lot of big players are are made during those times um but there is fear there because it, it can have a dramatic impact on a lot, of, a lot of people and companies as well. It does. You know, it's funny talking about all this stuff. It, it, it's, you know, there's so much, always so much uncertainty, yeah. so many different uh, variants with regards to investing in the economy and, 
you know, what could go wrong and what could happen. It really does um, make me feel really good about a lot of the things that we talk about Mm -hmm. that are tried and true, that are, um, you know, just kind of conservative, bland, vanilla, smart, and, uh, you know, offer real flexible solutions. Uh, I always like slow and steady wins the race is, uh, you know, is just like a great, you know, life is not two or three years long, you know, hopefully you live a long, happy, healthy life and, and you want to make decisions, uh, with that in mind, I think. Yeah. You know, I can mention something. We can kind of wrap up with this on that point too. When you look at history, what we do slow and steady wins the race. What's starting right now is very, very reflective of what happened years ago before I was born with hyperinflation and interest rates going up back in the 80s. Yeah. So if you look at whole life insurance back in the 80s, dividend rates could not keep up with rising interest rates, right? From a competitive standpoint, you looked at a whole life insurance policy and people are saying, I'm not I'm going to buy it, right? It doesn't make sense. That's happening. Some people have made that comment right now. Whole life insurance, what I'm, what I'm earning on my cash value is not keeping up with inflation, even though inflation increases for the past few months. But same thing's happening. When you look at history, what happened back then in the 80s and 90s? Insurance companies realized they had to do something in order to keep that revenue coming in. So they created universal life, current assumption based on the interest rate environment, and then variable universal life. So those products, if you take a universal life insurance policy back then in the 80s, could be run at the current interest rate environment at a 16% assumption. So the interest rate assumption on that universal life insurance policy would always, it would be at 16% forever, and it would always outpace the expenses that were associated with that universal life policy. Now, when we fast- Go ahead. Sale. <laughs> Very easy sale. What happened though, obviously interest rates came back down. Those illustrations did not pan out. With the universal life policies, you had expenses that continued to increase. The expenses actually ended up exceeding the interest earned on that universal life policy. And we know that story. A lot of them blew up, people had tax issues. It was not not good at all. There were lawsuits, all that stuff. But my point is, if someone could rewind the clock today, Go back and purchase a whole life insurance policy back then, which would have produced, we've got historical policies that started back then, between a 5 and 6% internal rate of return today, net, tax-free, no risk. How many people would say yes? Yep. Yeah. So that's where we look at and say everybody lost their mind back then, said, I got to do something else because it's not going to work. Okay. Right now, yes. Right. Even Tom Brady doesn't win every football game, but when he loses two in a row, everybody says he's done. Like, I'm sticking with them, man. He's going to win. Yeah. He's going to win. Stay calm, right? And look at what's happened throughout history. So, not just over the last 60 days. Co- correct. Which is hard to do because everybody's it's instant gratification. so accessible. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the delayed gratification, man, when people can do that, they, they win. Have you ever heard of, um, you ever hear of the marshmallow experiment? No. So this was back in the this um, 70s, I think. Um, they did a study at Stanford. It was Stanford uh, where they had a group of five-year-olds and they gave them a, a marshmallow. And what they, they said is, here's a marshmallow. 
You can have it now, or if you wait five minutes, you can have two. Some kids ate it now, some kids waited, but what they found out is the kids that waited five minutes in order to get a second marshmallow, they did a study years later when they're in their 20s or 30s, and when you look at just the levels of success, like what they've done in their lives, it was off the charts. Delayed gratification. They're willing to wait longer, right? If you wait, you win. There's someone that says that I, I like his saying a lot. If you wait, you win in business, which is so true. But everybody wants that instant gratification and it ends up hurting you. It's like, just stay calm, man. It's going to be okay. I know. I'm starting to feel bad thinking about this because I think I want to eat. I think I'm, I'm afraid I want to eat the marshmallow on the spot. But <laughs> let's, let's, we'll, well, never, we'll never know. We'll never yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know. If uh, when I was a kid, would I have? I might have right. waited. If they if they said wait five minutes, you can have two. Probably would have waited just because five minutes, five minutes might have sounded like five hours. Though. Yeah, yeah. But knowing that now, here's the difference. Though we may have not done that when we were a kid, but now if we hear, wait a minute, people that wait. When I just look at business and to, you know yeah. financial finance in general, wait and have that delayed gratification. It's not something that you either have it or you don't. You can work on acquiring that. Yes, you got to work on patience. You might be frustrating internally, but you can do it. And, you know, I won't talk anymore. I'll go on and on about it. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, if anybody's interested in anything we talked about here today, feel free to reach out to myself, Mike Courtney, or Steve Parisi at any time. We're always here for you guys to talk about concepts, talk about different sales ideas and what's going on in the market. And what we see on a day-to-day basis. Steve, thanks a lot for your time today. And uh, I'll be talking to you soon. Likewise. Thank you, Mike. Enjoy.